BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Happy Monday. Excuse me. I don't even know what day it is. Happy Tuesday (laughs) or Wednesday or Thursday or last Sunday, depending upon when you're listening. This is the Bauer and Rose show, the Bauer and Rose podcast. We're available wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, Hit the subscribe button, the like button, recommend us to friends and give us a five star rating. We're also uh, hosted by our good friends at justthenews.com and Sirius XM, the Patriot, Channel 125. Gary, there's a lot to talk about. Two huge issues, I think, today. <laughs> Obviously, the border. I mean, that situation, uh, I'll telegraph the answer to that by saying that we now have a two-word answer for our border problem, and that's concertina wire. But let me get, let me get to this Iran thing first, if you'll, if you'll indulge me. I have no choice, do I? <laughs> Not really. Yeah, there you go. When the enemy is afraid of escalating and you're not afraid of escalating, the enemy has a problem. But when you're afraid of escalating and the enemy isn't, then you have a problem. Iran is not afraid of escalating. Yet yesterday, all day long, administration officials were telegraphing very directly and very explicitly their desire to, look, we're not trying to escalate. We don't want war. We're trying to do whatever. We don't want to escalate. That's why we're sending $1.6 million Tomahawk cruise missiles to hit abandoned tool sheds in the middle of the Yamani desert. The mullahs and their mouthpieces in in, in, in Tehran aren't constantly expressing their fear of escalation. Instead, they escalate. We've had almost 200 attacks on Americans, uh, uh, either personnel or installations in the Middle East since the 7th of October. The more they escalate, the more we have to profess our intent not to escalate. Yeah. Well, you've listened this. You've been listening to another great Power and Rose show. I uh, hope you've... Uh, have concentrated your mind. Yeah, Tom, it's really, I mean, I don't even know where, I, I don't even know where to begin. I realize I'm taking the risk here that by hesitating, you, you will jump in and, and share another thought with us before we have to break for a commercial. That Wait a minute, funny. That, that's spoken by Gary Bauer, yeah. the greatest monologist of, of, of radio history. What, Go was, ahead. That? what was that, Tom? <laughs> <laughs> the great, the greatest monologist. Okay. Uh, Go ahead. But that's good. So um, I, I thought this week was Monday in particular was just just pitiful. Um, there there was that. And I don't know, you know, I, I would assume, Tom, that we have plenty of ways uh, to let Iran know that we are not interested in escalating. 
without every uh, official of the Biden administration being forced like prisoners of war to mouth the same war, the same words. So I'm assuming that the reason we kept hearing those words over and over again had nothing to do with trying to convince Iran that we don't intend to escalate. It was Biden worried about the left wing of his party. Mm. And it's an election year. He's already got a problem because he's standing with those dang Jews. And, uh, you know, that's a big problem. But, the, you know, increasingly, not just on the left wing of his party, but on the rising wing of his party. You know, I don't see a lot of young elected Democrats here in Washington that are known for their over the top support for Israel. Quite the contra- contrary. Uh, the big supporters of Israel and the Democrat Party in Washington tend to be the older generation, just like that's the case among Democrat voters. So I think uh, I, I think that's what we we saw taking place. It was sad. So there's that. Then you had our lying secretary of defense. And I say that even though I have great compassion for the man dealing with prostate cancer, uh, but he's lying to us. I mean, the, the surgery for prostate cancer can, can be a very you know difficult surgery in the sense of what it does to you. But it's it's not a, a ra- it's not a rare surgery. It's done quite often, and it doesn't require you to be hospitalized for two weeks. Still, well, there there might have been complications. Well, yes, but they won't tell us. I see. You're right. Wait, You're he, right. You're right. He, he didn't tell his own boss allegedly that he wasn't going to be available. But but the, the secretary they didn't the, even notice he was gone. The secretary of defense read a statement. It was terrible. Uh, that looked again like he was a POW in a North Vietnamese prison camp. It, no emotion uh, expressing, you know, his. Um, his deep regrets that three Americans uh, died, dozens more were were injured, eight of them seriously enough were wounded, uh, eight of them seriously enough uh, to be transferred to hospitals in, in I presume, Germany, uh, where, where we have facilities, uh, more, more, you know, more uh, well-equipped facilities. It was pitiful. It was not the, the, the way Monday went did not pay due respect, uh, to, to <clears throat> these, um, uh, three American soldiers. The White House press secretary called them, uh, we lost three folks. What? We lost three folks? What, what, what is this? Uh, you, you know, a, a couple of Amish didn't show up for a party or something? And that, of course, ignored the two Navy SEALs we lost uh, 10 days right. ago due to an action. Right. I think it's important, and, and, and uh, you and I go back and forth on this. Uh, Winston Churchill's famous line that the farther back in history you can look, the farther ahead into the future you can see. Well, Churchill Let's also said that uh, we sleep well at night because rough men – are standing watch prepared to do violence against those that would harm us. We just, Let's, we're losing rough men. Right. No, no, no. Let, let, let me, let, let me just step back for a second. 1986, middle of the, the worst war uh, in the world since the second world war, Iran started mining the Straits of Hormuz. 
the U.S. under Ronald Reagan immediately then started escorting Kuwaiti tankers. In April of 1988, the USS Samuel Roberts hit a mine, suffered severe damage. Several sailors were killed. The president immediately launched Operation Praying Mantis four days after the USS uh, Samuel Roberts was struck. The goal was to degrade Iran's ability to disrupt shipping, um, and that it resulted in the largest U.S. naval engagement since the Second World War. Now, we sank all kinds of frigates, um, surface ships and aircraft destroyed uh, naval vessels. We destroyed Iranian mine lading capabilities. Here's the thing. By defending American interests and the freedom of navigation in the Gulf, the way that he did, not only did Ronald Reagan not start another endless war, he ended what was then the most horrific war the country had, the world had seen, the Iran-Iraq war, the war that Henry Kissinger said it was a shame both sides couldn't lose. Um, because within weeks after Ronald Reagan, over just a several day period, had basically destroyed Iran's naval capacity Iran immediately began ceasefire negotiations with Iraq. So rather than not starting another endless war, he ended what was truly an absolutely horrific war. Over a million people killed in that war. Yeah, no, I, I remember well um, and uh, you know, was working at the White House at the time. Um, you know, we've, we've talked about Reagan a lot, Tom, and he was very um, stingy in the use of U.S. military assets because he was governing at a time when the country was still recovering from another no-win war in which we won every battle on the battlefield, but lost in the halls of Congress and on the editorial pages of newspapers. And when, um, not You're Dan Rather, but the well. senior CBS News guy, Walter Cronkite, um, uh, the the you know the, the the old man that everybody looked up to because we could count on him to tell us the truth announced that the war in his view was no longer worth fighting. So Reagan was very careful to commit troops only when he thought the goal could be accomplished uh, quickly and successfully, and and he was wise to do so. We have now. Uh, under presidents of both parties, unfortunately, had a series of wars in which the Republican presidents fought them no better in many ways than Democrat presidents fight wars we get into. Um, you, you know, we're, we're talking about how uh, Biden wanted, the first thing Biden wanted to do is make sure that he could assure everybody that we're not at war with Iran, right? Well, what did George W. Bush do in the aftermath of 9-11? He ran to a mosque in Washington, D.C., took his shoes off, went into the mosque, and assured the Muslims worshiping there, we are not at war with Islam. Well, that's what Muslims in America should have been doing in synagogues and churches. They should have been asking to visit your synagogue and my church to assure us that these people operating in the name of their holy book did not represent them and that they were loyal Americans and they would fight side by side with us to defeat these monsters. But George W. Bush felt 
it was imperative for it to be the other way around. Right. And that then that's been the pattern. Look, when when faced and this is what Reagan understood and Reagan exercised when faced with a series of escalating attacks, you can basically there you got two choices and Reagan exercised both of them at different times. We can either withdraw if possible, and that's debatable in the current situation. But uh, Reagan did that after the Marine barracks bombing in 1983. Right. Because there it would have meant. Well, exactly. Or a a civil war, uh, exact getting involved in the Lebanese civil war. Or um, if we have the capability, and in this case, we certainly do because it's military v. military and infrastructure, we can either defeat the enemy directly or we can escalate beyond the point where the enemy has the ability to respond. But instead, when given the choice between A or B, Joe Biden picks C, which is to do nothing. It's performance theater, performance response. It's utterly counterproductive. Bombing empty tool sheds in Yemen is as feckless, Gary, as it is futile. They don't restore deterrence. They weaken it. Look, the Saudis have launched over 30,000 sorties against the Houthis uh, since the civil war there began, which as its objective is to overthrow the Saudi monarchy in in 2014, 30,000. We hit, what, five tool sheds, and we think that's going to make a difference. The whole thing is just, um, you know, another great Churchill line is that mankind is unteachable. They are so wedded to this, uh, a delusional view of the world that that we are the source of every single global grievance. It was it was Barack Obama in 2009 refusing to lend a hand to the millions of Iranian demonstrators and protesters who came just that close to overthrowing that regime. And he you know, again, this narcissistic tendency to believe that the that any American effort or assistance to dissidents would, quote unquote, uh, uh, implicate us. We don't want to get involved. Uh, it'll it'll distract the Iranian people. They didn't care where they got help so long as they got help. And of course, we didn't provide it. OK, well, let's let's go off the rails since this is uh, we're, we're in such agreement and that's boring um, podcast material. Uh, here's our dilemma, Tom. Um, I forget who it was now that when we went into Iraq, uh, well, I think it was Weinberger. Um, there were, there were certain weaknesses we had in the military at the time and we had to compensate for those weaknesses. And they said to, I believe it was Weinberger, um, um, you know, why didn't you wait longer until, you know, we could get this resupplied and up that. And he goes, look, you go to war with the army you have. And and then you, you do the best you can with what you got. Well, I understand that when we go to war, we go to war with the president we have. But this, this wouldn't even need to be a war. That's my point. But this guy is a walking disaster. And... And you may be right, Tom, that all we have to do is really hit them hard, whatever that looks like, 
and that'll end it. But we can't say that with certainty. Now, That's look, true. if I had a, if, if I had President Trump in there, uh, he would hit him hard and I'd be totally comfortable with it because if they did something really bad back, he would obliterate them. But this guy has drained half of our strategic oil reserve. Sure would be nice to have that back right now. This guy, while he's busy telling Iran that we don't want to have a war with them, has left our border open for three years. And I know and you know and anybody with half a brain knows if there are not a thousand Iranian operatives inside the United States ready to blow up bridges, sabotage power plants, shoot up malls, they ought to be all sentenced for malfeasance. They have been relentless and we have been relentlessly weak under this president. So I continue to go back to what I keep going back to. Is it wise or prudent to, um, in the style of, um, of some Republican senators, to be running to microphones and saying, attack Iran in their country. So what do we do? In other words, get the hell out. If we're not going to do anything, why do we have, why are we positioned all over the region? If well, our forces look, are I nothing mean, more than did, sitting ducks. Yeah, but look, that this gets back. Elections have consequences. Stolen elections really have consequences. Oh, wait a minute. Not supposed to say that. Not supposed to say the election was stolen. Uh, because it's really a threat to our democracy when we say that. We've got this joker as president. And Israel is seeing firsthand what that means when you beg him to stand with you. The price you end up paying as he keeps pulling you back. So I think everybody, including Lindsey Graham, when these things happen. They, they, we need to just think through a little bit. What is it? Do what the guy that can't handle this, the guy that that uh, has been called wrong in every foreign policy issue in his whole life. We we really wanted to tell him launch an all out attack at Iranian assets. You, so you, don't think, be- you don't think they've taken the measurement of him, Tom? Of course they have. The issue is we do have interests, geopolitical and strategic, currently on the ground there. He is the only president we have. If if our policy then is to remain passive in the face of these attacks, then get the hell out. Because if you're not going to use force projection to protect your forces, they shouldn't be there. They shouldn't be there at all. Well, this was, I, go I, ahead. I, I would argue. This, this was this was Reagan's lesson from the Beirut uh, barracks bombing back in 1983. But that was a Republican president that knew what to do in step two and step four and step six. Right. And we had total confidence in him. And he was the leader of a party that understood these issues. And in America, that looks nothing 
like the America we have now. Until January 2025, what do we do? Well, number one is there's a lot of distance between pinpricks on empty sheds and and having Republican senators run to a microphone urging Joe Biden, who every other day we're talking can't find his way off to a, a stage. They go to a microphone and yell, we want that guy to lead us into war. That's what we want. So well, there's I, a lot I, between those two things, Tom. You, you, we can launch massive uh, uh, cyber attacks on Iranian infrastructure. We, there's lots of things we can do to get really serious here. We can do something. But again, it requires the commander in chief that, that you and I both have zero confidence in. We could do something non-kinetic, not hurt the hair on the head of a single Iranian that would shut down Iran today. And that's simply blockade Karg Island, which is at the mouth of um, uh, the, the Persian Gulf, uh, Bandar Abbas, which is their oil facility terminal. You blockade it. They can't export any oil. Biden won't do that because it will immediately reduce the global oil supply by about a million barrels a day. And that might raise gas prices 10, 15 cents. And what Joe Biden worries about most is Joe Biden and reelection. So our national security interests are held hostage by a guy that is so focused on his own political survival. I mean, you could we have um, what's the name of the 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 uh, uh, inherent resolve or no prosperity guardian is the name of the the uh, allied uh, naval task force operation going on in the Gulf. You could put it under the guise of whoever the naval commander is of this this allied force blockade Karg Island. You wouldn't have to fire a shot and then tempt the Iranian navy to shoot a U.S. frigate or a you know a British carrier. Yeah, well, I mean you. Uh, that that's been suggested. People have suggested taking the island out, but as I just said, we we've lost half of our strategic oil reserve. So I think oil would go up a lot more than ten or fifteen cents. You're probably right. Um, so you know, or here's here's a great idea: when Republican senators aren't urging uh, a complete incompetent to lead us into war, uh, we could give him a, a, a border deal. That will help him win re-election so that we not only have to worry about being led by a know-nothing president for the next 11 months, we've got to worry about it for the next four years and 11 months. We could do that. Tom, Look, we, we, we might have a dumb president, but you and I are members of a dumb party. There and are, that I, is really bad for America. I heard Newt Gingrich last night. Uh, I think it was on, it might've been Hannity. I can't remember. Maybe it was Laura say he's been a rock rib Republican his entire life. And there are moments in the past 50 years where the Republican party simply uh, descends into not simply stupidity, but self-destructive suicidal lunacy. I think that was his exact term. We don't need a, quote unquote, bipartisan immigration bill. We now have the answer. And it's called concertina wire, right? Eagle Pass, Texas, which was the nexus of thousands and thousands a day at that one entry point, is now quiet. 
we've got a problem, a crisis that has been entirely created by direct actions taken by this administration. They stopped wall construction day one. They gave DACA people even greater. The list is endless. They stopped deportations. They canceled interior enforcements. They canceled Title 42. I can go down the list, all the enforcement rules. They ceased uh, the remain in Mexico. We suspended all our asylum agreements with Northern Triangle countries. Here's the other thing that Republicans, and I'm stunned by this, are too stupid to see. They're negotiating with a a counterparty whose problem or whose solution to the problem is to make it worse. When they ask for $14 billion, Gary, to quote unquote fix the border crisis, what they want is $14 billion more to Alejandro Mayorkas to hire more CPB agents to process more illegals. Yeah. I mean, rather than stopping the line of illegals, they want to make the line move faster. Their answer to illegal immigration is to legalize all the illegals. It's like their criminal justice reform ideas, which is to uh, decriminalize crime. Yeah, Tom, look, I mean, the, you, you, there's no cure for stupid, whether it's uh, Biden or uh, the the establishment wing of the Republican Party. We had... Uh, we had right in front of our eyes new evidence they did of who they're dealing with, of who they're, who they're negotiating with. When he ran to the Supreme Court to try to stop Texas from doing what he wouldn't do, what an opportunity that was for Republican senators. They're negotiating on securing the border. Texas goes on and moves to try to secure the border. He orders the Justice Department emergency filing with the Supreme Court. I want to take that stuff down. Every Republican senator in these negotiations should have walked out of the negotiations, went right to a microphone and said, we've been negotiating in good faith to secure the border. He's assuring us he wants to secure the border. He just used the power of our Justice Department to punish the state of Texas for trying to secure the border. We will come back and talk when he gets serious. And walked away. You know, it was it was first of all, it's instantly effective, right? Instantly effective. The Supreme Court ruling, I don't know whether they figured this out or not, <clears throat> gave the administration the right to cut it down, but it didn't prevent Texas from continuing to lay it down. And now that's widely misunderstood, by the way, totally misunderstood. And the other beautiful thing is if they actually come and start cutting the concertina wire. It'll make great video. It'll reinforce uh, what everyone should know in that this we've got a a totally unlawful administration that wants an open border. Also, if they tear it down, there's nothing that prevents Texas from relaying more concertina wire. We have the answer. We don't need a comprehensive immigration reform bill. We need 2000 miles of concertina wire. That's all. I, I saw some uh, guy down there getting interviewed on Fox and uh, Fox is playing, you know, uh, other than their specific co specific host of specific shows. Generally, they're they're doing a good job of promoting the establishment wing of the Republican Party. 
and open borders and all the rest of it. They, they have to be very careful because they know their listeners totally reject it. But, you know, they're always uh, bringing up, well, you really can't do that, can you? So somebody says to one of these guys down in Texas, well, uh, this is interesting what you guys are doing, but can't the president just uh, nationalize the Texas National Guard and and order them to, you know, to, to take the wire down? And uh, the guy goes, well, um, and before he could answer, the, the whoever was doing the interviewer said, and, and what about the Border Patrol guards themselves? Uh, wh- what are you going to do when the Border Control, Patrol is ordered to, to tell the Texas uh, National Guard to get out of the way? Uh, and the guy said, well, I, I just want to point out to you that all of the Border Guards and all the Texas National Guard and uh, uh, all the uh, state police, they're all Texans. <laughs> and that's all he said was that they're all Texans. He was insinuating. So I think, in fact, I think the, re- the interviewer said, you're not suggesting they would disobey orders, are you? And then I think it ended at that point. That's where we are, Tom, right? I mean, I, let I, them come I, cut the wire. Let them cut the wire. Well, I, I, I hope I, it doesn't get to that. But uh, I hope it does because that what image could be more representative of what this administration's purpose and objectives have been since day one. Okay, so they that want happens. An open border. They want it. So that happens, but then as soon as that happens, Texas will not be able to relay it because they will just position. Federal troops, federalized national along that border. And then you're at a point where Texas wants to lay the war, the, the, the uh, wire back, and you're going to have a fight. Now, I, I mean, I think it's headed to that. I, but I think Texas should block anybody that tries to take that wire down. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. But if they do, I mean, look, this is it. It's it's reminiscent of um, uh, not to minimize uh, the desegregation efforts in the late 1950s and early 1960s, but it is somewhat, uh, 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 it does somewhat resemble the images that the American people saw uh, at the start of the civil rights movement, which churned everyone's stomach. And this is an opportunity, I think, for us, and we live in a world of narratives, for us to permanently embed in the minds of the American people who is for what and who's against what. Well, and, unless you undermine that by signing an immigration deal with these well, people. Well, we're really not that st- – I mean, look, the thing is – and I realize that it's a, it's a somewhat counterproductive argument that I'll make here to minimize the, the disastrous – uh, implications of even negotiating on their terms, but there's no way a thing like this could possibly become law, is there? It'll sail through the Senate with well, with half of Republicans voting for it, and that alone will be a disaster for the Republican Party, and that will be used to help the Democrats take back the House. They will say, look at all the half of the Republicans in the Senate joined all the Democrats in the Senate to pass this 80 to 20. 
And it's these MAGA right wing neo fascist Republicans and the House of Representatives taking their orders from Donald Trump that won't do their job. And you really think there are that many Republicans in this? Why? I just don't. Are you there's I'm zero support for this? How do you think zero Lindsey Graham's going to vote? How do you think Lindsey Graham's going to vote? I'm telling you, Mitch McConnell, the leader, yeah. he's going to vote for it. You know, uh, Susan Collins. Just look, look at what Republican senators regularly do. Most of the time, they're just daywall. You, you don't even know there are Republicans in the United States Senate. I never hear them dramatically going after Joe Biden unless it's when they're running to a microphone to tell him to go to war. That's that is the image most people see of Republican senators saying almost nothing unless they sound unless they're running to a microphone to sound like they recklessly don't care if we go to war under Joe Biden. Tom, I, I mean, the, the, the Democrats are stupid about a lot. I don't think they're stupid that much about politics. I've run into a lot of people that say that they're really, I was talking to a guy the other day who was inter- interviewing me for a dissertation, dissertation he was doing. And he said, uh, he said, Gary, I am, uh, I'm really afraid. That was where I'm really afraid that before the year's over, we're going to be in a world war. And he goes, he goes, I've been mentioning this to people and everybody I bring it up to, they, they kind of put their head down and go, yeah, I I think so too. We're already there. People aren't yearning for it. They're afraid of it. Yes, they should. And a lot of people don't, Tom, have our instincts that understand it's strength that prevents another war. So I, I just think this is a it's it's the situation we're in. And I, I just wish Republicans I, I I just wish somebody would get them in a room every morning to talk that to, to have some people that actually have brains to talk to them. But who are there? I mean, their constituents can't. Uh the disconnect is so profound. The gap is so wide. The gorge is so deep to continue with these foolish metaphors there. I mean, this is, this is an 80, 20 issue. There's nobody that first of all, actually believe, I mean, how many times have we been down this road of promises? It, it, it almost resembles Mideast peace processing. Uh, Israel gives up X in exchange for a promise of Y. That's what these immigration bills always are. Yep. Republicans, conservatives have to concede something uh, uh, tangible, uh, 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 demonstrable now, in exchange for promises of future Democrat action later, that never happens. Yeah, Tom, but here's, but it, it doesn't have to happen. They, they just got to, they've just got to get through the next 10 months. That's all Biden's got to do is get through the next 10 months. So the Republicans get this bill passed uh, with, with the Democrats. Let's say they roll Johnson, uh, you know, the chamber. Ow. Tom, half the Republican Party in the House voted to re-up 
the Patriot Act without any reforms to protect civil liberties. They voted like it was 1970, 1980, 1990. They, they went right back. Our good friend, our good friend defends the FBI right now. When you, well, the FBI is filled with wonderful men and women. I don't have any reason to believe there's any significant group of them were up on Capitol Hill that day. I don't think there's any evidence of that. Uh, look, all he's got to all he's got to do is get through the next ten months. So let's just play it out. They get that's like, the, that's they get like saying all evil can evil has to do is is, uh, is jump the Grand Canyon. I'm that's really, a big deal. The guy has the lowest approval ratings of any. I'm giving pr- you. I'm giving you this scenario, Tom. It gets <laughs> through the Senate. They browbeat. And, and I'll guarantee you, Fox News will be leading the charge. They browbeat the House of Representatives. Republicans start peeling off. That'll happen. Republican members in the House it will start peeling off when the local chamber comes to them. When the you know the this group, the National Association of Manufacturers, et cetera, et cetera, they'll start peeling. Let's so say they get it through the Senate. They get it through the House. Biden signs it. You know what's going to happen then? The border will get shut, Tom. It'll get shut. It will go down massively. He's just got to take it down then for 10 months or so until he gets reelected. We will have taken the major issue we have off the table. But it won't, it won't get shut. What we're talking about. It will get shut. Five thousand. He'll shut it, Tom. No, but the bill says 5,000 illegals can cross every day. No, but that's that's just to pave the way after he's got four more years. The first thing, if if he immediately does the stuff that we're talking about, he knows he's going to lose. He's not that kind of stupid. They will make it look. Like, well, look at these right wingers. Trump. That's not the bill, though. The bill would legalize basically one point eight million a year. Basically, what we're saying is today we have 10,000 illegal border crossers. The bill will shut that number down at 5000. It doesn't take away the president's ability to, to parole a single illegal that crosses the border. Tom, you're, the, the, you're, you're telling me the flaws of the bill. I know what the flaws of the bill are, but you're you're also insinuating that they are so stupid they will immediately implement the flaws of the bill. No, they won't because then he's done. He loses. They will have every inducement to make it look like what they did why, worked. But why are those provisions the ones that the Democrats are insisting upon? So that after he gets his next four years, they can proceed with the transformation of America. They will then use the provisions of the bill to get those extra agents to not block anybody on the border, but to process more people at the border. Right, right. And you think that half the Republicans in the Senate are stupid enough. I I don't have much faith in... The Republican Party. I'm not going to sit here and be a, you know, 
Ronna McDaniel shill. I mean, I, no, well, I, no, I agree no, with no. you. I'm with you. But all they got that level get, of that level of self destructiveness. They only have to get ten. Fifty uh, Democrats and independents. Actually, eight, right? Huh? Well, eight Republicans. Sixty. Correct. It's fifty-two Dems, or there's two independents, but they right. caucus with the Dems. Okay, so eight Dems. So yeah, you're right. Okay, both. eight, eight, eight. I can see. So it passes the uh, the filibuster hurdle, goes to the House. I mean, what about some of these uh, very vulnerable Dems, particularly uh, in Texas? They can't. Well, I, it, I don't know. I don't know. I have one other story here to get to before we sign off for the day. Um, and that's media collapse in the last two weeks. It's everywhere. The L.A. Times has cut 20 percent of its staff, uh, Business Insider, half its staff, Time Magazine, hundreds gone at Condé Nast, Forbes, layoffs, The New York Daily News, CNN, The Washington Post, even taxpayer funded NPR, Vice Media Files, Sports Illustrated is basically finished. They're done. Um, who knows? Uh, NBC who knew, transgender uh, models yeah. on the front of Sports Illustrated. Well, I don't know. Transgender edition right. didn't work. Well, at, well, that was this year. Last year, it was some obese, you know, disgustingly fat woman in a bikini on the cover. Uh, that it's just um, uh, their beat goes on. Nothing changes as they sink below the waterline. Nothing changes as the Lusitania, uh, you know sinks. Of course, there's a business answer. I'm in the business for crying out loud. I'm in the publishing business. And that is that the ad industry uh, no longer needs the news industry to reach its target customers. But we're making it so much easier for them to find other avenues to promote their goods or services by being crappy providers of non-news. It and of course, the media itself is melting down at its own meltdown with no self-reflection whatsoever, no self-awareness. And again, it's all part of the MAGA. God, if MAGA had the power that our enemies say we have, <laughs> if only, you know, if yeah. only we were as powerful as they seem to think we are. So the dinosaur media is I like definitely- that uh, on its way to something resembling ex- extinction. But the new media that is sort of permeates the air, you know, it's Facebook and YouTube and TikTok and uh, it's uh, Google, you, you know, e- even our search results are manipulated, as you know, Tom. Oh, yeah. But most Americans don't know that. I mean, if you're a kid doing research and, and you want to find something, you know, that would give you some support for a conservative uh, argument on an issue, you can, it can be very difficult to find anything that would tell you that there's a debate about something, you know? So all that stuff is getting more and more powerful and permeates our lives. Um, you, you know, we're, we're, so I don't, I don't know. I mean, is, isn't, isn't the, the, the media, the leftist media, just going through a transformation to a new type of leftist media that's even harder uh, to, to stop infecting minds. That's a it's a good point, certainly on a generational perspective. If you look at some of these truly terrifying uh, poll numbers about generational divide in the Israel Hamas war, 
and the younger people who are pro Hamas uh, get their news to the extent that they get any news at all from all of the new media sources you've just cited, TikTok, Instagram, uh, uh, Facebook to a lesser extent, because I guess now Facebook demographically trends older. Uh, But we've got a perfect storm coming where we have the uh, uh, collapse of legacy media, which is a good thing. Um, Yet there was a piece in uh, Racket News the other day about the electoral fix already being in for uh, 2024, um, where Democrats have already hired more than a thousand lawyers to, to combat um, ballot challenges and um, uh, ballot access laws in all the states. So you can, we can look at polls all we want, you know, Trump's up by six, Trump's up by eight, Trump's up by two. If we have an election that again is decided by lawyers rather than voters um, and the Democrats are already out there unveiling their plans uh, for America's, you know, first lawfare election. They've got officials in, in uh, every state of the country. They've created this new, where is it on this, um, this quote transition integrity project involving more than a hundred former officials, think tanks, you know, journalists um, who are gathering to war game uh, contested election scenarios. They're doing all this. They're prepping the battlefield. What are we doing? Yeah. Uh, could do, can we find a thousand conservative lawyers in America? You, you, you know, so many of these things are, are interconnected. You know, Tom, I mean, they took over the journalism schools and they taught journalists, uh, you silly young man or woman, you think journalism is, is reporting the news. Journalism is supposed to bend the arc of history toward justice. If you're not taking your ability to report the news and using it to bend the arc toward justice, then you're not a journalist. You're just part of the, you know, the Nazi, neo-Nazi movement in America. Uh, if, if people knew what they're teaching in the law schools, I mean, one of the ways you can tell this is that during the riots in the summer of 2020, people getting arrested were, were law school graduates or practicing lawyers setting police cars on fire. That, that is unthinkable, right? I mean, for anybody, but a, a lawyer? Um, so uh, th- this is really interesting. Charlie Kirk, you know, who runs Turning Point, um, he's having a meeting, uh, I think it's going on now, in Las Vegas at the same time that the Republican National Committee is in Las Vegas. And he's invited all of the committee men and women and the state party chairman uh, in when they're not attending RNC meetings to come over and attend his meeting because he says he's got better data on what's going on in the states than the RNC does. He says he has identified at turning point 4.5 million low propensity Republican voters spread out over 10 battleground states and that if we he, he they've got their names addresses where they live their phone numbers etc and if we get those people to vote donald trump's going to win the uh, presidency but the reason he did it it's at great cost it's because i'm told there was a meeting where he invited in 
whatever, however he found them, wealthy businessmen and so forth, and described this and said, but I need X millions of dollars. And somebody stood up and said, I just sold my business. Five million. I won't leave the room without giving you five million. Other people started standing up, pledging millions of dollars. And he did this project. I don't know if he's going to turn it over to the RNC, but why does that have to be subcontracted to private citizens? What is wrong with the Republican Party? All those good people out there that get these endless solicitations through the mail, online, send $25 today, Martha, so we can cut your Social Security and send your son off to war. Just send it to the Republican National Committee to make sure that we win the next election. And Martha does it. She's been doing it for years. Where's it go? Where's the freaking money go? And that's why you see so many of these state parties, Republican parties, that are bankrupt or near bankrupt. We saw it, of course, you know, and we talked about this last week in Arizona, where the now thankfully ousted uh, Republican state party chair. I think people are starting to get it, which is why Ronna McDaniel has been such an abysmal failure at fundraising, because even if they raise the money like she was able to do in 2022, she was able to produce nothing as a result. The money came in and it was wasted. And now you've got a lot of these these party committees, these state party committees that are really up against it because uh, what's the expression about, you know, if your product's no good, the customer won't come. Uh, One other thing, and I should have mentioned this earlier, just as an aside in terms of narrative. Big story last week that the United States is suspending funding for the UN Relief Works Agency, which is this Hamas entangled uh, uh, relief agency for Gaza that was created in 1949, the only UN agency uh, expressly tasked with keeping refugees as refugees. So Biden got all kinds of, you know, Fox News and everybody else, uh, uh, public uh, hosannas for announcing that we're suspending funding. Nobody had 30 seconds of time to research this. The announcement was made a week after the first six months of unrefunding, 190 some million dollars went through. There's no, we're not supposed, it's a, so the way things work now is we fund in six month increments. Our next check to UNRWA isn't scheduled until June. Do you really think we're not going to cut that next check? The bottom line is we suspended nothing. Payments are always suspended between J- and the media fell for it. Hook, line, and sinker. Well, did they fall for it, or did they? They or they just they're in on the game, right? I mean, I I, I assume these guys do know how to do research, and they got what they get. What's going on here? Uh, everybody's hoping that by June, uh, this nasty little war Israel's caused will be over. And we can move on, you know, get we'll, we'll be right into the heart of the elections season. Then we can get on to, you know, being good, good little boys and girls and restoring tax money to pay for uh, Palestinian uh, jihad sympathizing school teachers and so forth to teach little Palestinian children. Uh, if you get up in the morning and kill two Jewish 
uh, fascists. And then in the afternoon, you killed three Jewish fascists. How many Jewish fascists will you have killed, praise Allah, by sundown? Here's here. This is a rarity. You actually have more faith in journalistic capability (laughs) than I do, because I just think they're a bunch of lazy slugs. And it's basically stenography journalism, whatever the way of that. There is a lot of that. Whatever the White House spits at. Now, contrast that with Donald Trump. Contrast that with our administration the last time. Whatever we said was disputed, contradicted. Donald Trump uh, standing on, you know, in front of uh, the Oval Office on the steps adjacent to the Rose Garden on a beautiful sunny day. He says, isn't the weather beautiful? And the media disputes that in uniformity. Yeah, Tom. I know we're we're uh, we're over here. Let me just mention one other thing, and and I'm I'm remiss of this. I don't have the names in front of me of those three uh, uh, army guys. Well, one army guy, two army women, all reserves uh, that were killed. Um, the all three of them uh, are from Georgia, which leads me to believe they're part of a Georgia Georgia Army Reserve unit. We use the reserves now in a way they weren't used in the past. Uh, they were, you know, reserves were supposed to be held in reserve for a national emergency. Yeah, we use them now as part of our standing army. It's a way to save money. I don't know where all the money's going because the budget keeps going up. But nonetheless, um, incidentally, it's not it really it isn't significant by itself. All three of them are African-American uh, uh, men and women, uh, all from, as I said, the state of Georgia. Uh, they're already, you know, if, if their names were ever known, their names are already being forgotten. But their families for the rest of their lives uh, will have this hole in their hearts. And, um, you know, it's just we don't have a foreign policy. We don't have leadership. We, we don't have anything going on in this country right now that is worthy of the sacrifices being made by a smaller and smaller group of our population. And almost everything that the left is doing is making it more and more likely that there will be fewer and fewer men and and women willing to wear the uniform of the United States Armed Forces. We we already see that through these terribly uh, uh, disturbing... um, uh, recruitment failures, but we are we are at a time very well set, unfortunately. Um, and we will uh, we'll talk in a couple of days. Anything else? Yep. No, that's it. Thanks, Tom. <laughs> Thanks for sending me that Churchill book. But you got to stop, man. The 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 uh, the rose wing of the Bauer Library is already bigger than the Bauer Library. I got to tell you, this is, and I know we're way over. Um, Andrew Roberts' his book, Walking with Destiny, it came out three four years ago. I I bought the hard copy, read the hard copy. And I picked it up again. I, I don't know why, but I mistakenly bought the paperback, the one that I like, – same version that I sent you. I picked it up, I don't know, six, seven days. I cannot put it down. And the most distressing, depressing part is that was my reaction the very first time, and I don't remember a word of it. <laughs> God, well, look, anything that keeps you off the streets and not harassing me, uh, which is this book, what this book is doing, has got to be a great book. Uh, it is. I read a lot of books and most of them are garbage. This is I just can't put it down. Anyway, have a great couple of days. God bless you. Love to Carol. God bless all of our listeners. And we'll talk to you in a couple of days. Bye.